How many have had a really good week this week? I've had a fantastic week in some regards. Um, my wife is in Augusta, Georgia, because our first grandson turned 10 Friday on our 44th wedding anniversary. So you talk about balancing stuff. We're all over the place. I would have went with her, but I had a wedding rehearsal and a wedding yesterday to do out at the Sheely's house. So, uh, But uh, I thought she was going to come back tomorrow, and I texted her. I said, when are you heading back? She said, Sunday. She didn't tell me that, so we're going to have to have a little conversation about that because I don't like being in that house by myself too much. Um, prayer gathering tonight at Government Plaza. In light of the things that's happening around our nation, no question, friends, our nation needs prayer. As Larry said, God is the answer. And we need a third great awakening. If you ever studied the history of revival, the United States has had two great spiritual awakenings. And the last was in the 1800s. We need another one. Even though the Azusa Street was a great moment in the early 1900s, it was really located in pockets. It wasn't a national move of God. How we need a national move of God. We started Sunday night prayer months ago, and in this room, some of our young people have started joining us, and, uh, and they pray for you. They pray for your families. They pray for, for you by name. We pray for all of our missionaries. We pray for every school in the city and county of Tuscaloosa, every private school, every Christian school, homeschooling. We cover them all. We're here to pray. We're here to ask God for his favor. And I can tell you this. The Lord has given Larry great favor at Bryant High School. Dr. Harper has just kind of said, you know, you're welcomed on this campus. And uh, we need more access because there's trouble everywhere. And the only answer is the Lord. You know, you can, we can come up with plans, but if, you, if he's not in the plan, then it's, then it's not going to work. There's a, there's a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6 if you want to find that, that chapter uh, when Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew 6, he did not say, if you pray, right? He said, when you pray. Didn't even consider that we wouldn't pray. He says, when you pray. Not if you pray, when you pray. So there's no question in his wording where prayer should rank, right? But how should we pray? Um, I'll share some personal things in just a moment. But what makes up a prayer? The start, the middle, and the amen? You see prayer requests all the time. Some of them are very serious, like, please keep praying for Tom Whitehead as he goes through his treatments. And Martha Root, very serious situation with blood, blood clots that she's dealing with. Very serious. Need to really jot their names down every day and intercede for them. And we see prayer requests that people post on social media. Sometimes it's, it's related to different things. Sometimes they're, they have to do with uh, 
their health or a job or their children. Sometimes they don't even say what it is. It's please pray. And do you know the Bible gives us a plan when we don't know how to pray? The Scripture says when you don't know how to pray, you have someone to help you. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. It said the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and help you pray what you don't know to pray. I think that sometimes means praying in the Spirit. Sometimes I think it just, he provokes us to say prayers that are nowhere near our mind when we start praying. Strictly prompted by the Holy Spirit. This has been a good week for me because I made a decision Tuesday. You know, Monday was great. Independence Day. I watched a documentary or a 40-minute thing on John and Abigail Adams I found. I was, I was patriotic. It didn't include fireworks, though. It's too hot to go watch fireworks. But I love this country, and I love our history. And Tuesday, I was having such a good day, and then I saw something on Twitter, and I said, oh, and I just got off of it immediately. I said, I can't even think about that. If I think about that, I'm going to get angry. And how can any of us pray when we're angry? Well, you can pray when you're angry. I don't know if you're praying what God wants you to pray. So I just said, I, I don't even want to think about some stuff. I'm not even going there. I walked in the house Tuesday evening, and Brenda had the evening news on. And I said, no news. No news tonight. No Fox News, no CNN, no local, no national. We're going newsless tonight. No news. And she was okay with that because she really would rather watch Family Feud anyway. Y'all need to pray for her in her absence. I'll just make a prayer request. I think, I think she needs help with Family Feud. <laughs> if y'all know a therapist that can help her get off of Family Feud. Or the, the home improvement place where they go in, don't you say a word to, to, don't you say a word. You're shaking your head. Don't talk. Don't, don't give me that vibe there. I don't like that vibe I'm getting off from over here. <laughs> but it was okay, so we watched Family Feud and people improving homes. It was great. Positive stuff. It wasn't anything. I felt so much better. Can I tell you, I have not watched any news at all, all week. I haven't heard any news report, read any newspapers, nothing. I've heard headlines, and it's tragic what I've heard, but I haven't watched any of the videos, any of the televised reports, nothing. And you know what I've been able to do? I've been able to pray knowing that we got trouble all over our nation just from what I've heard that I've been able to pray in a right spirit. It's kind of like, Chrissy, what's that passage in Impact about Philippians, what, 4? What does it say if there's anything, whatsoever things are? Oh, okay. Is that, are y'all doing it in order? Who knows them in order? Chris, you know them in order, right? <laughs> Don't call on me to do that. Uh, uh, 
pure, of loving, beautiful, uh, virtuous. It goes through all this, this. And this is what it tells you. Think on... Now, now, when you watch the news, do you think on those things? I've been delivered. So, I've said I've had a good week. I'll get to the passage in just a moment. I'm kind of like Bob. I feel good. I feel great. I feel wonderful. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But in physically, I was not having a really good week. This was a terrible week for my back. And no matter how much mental and spiritually you're doing good, it's hard to enjoy it when you got back problems. And so I was going down the road and I said, I said these words, Lord, I need, and as soon as I said the two words I need, it was like the emergency brake was hit. And I paused and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry that those were the first two words that came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. For what you do for me and what you can do for me is not important, more important than who you are. I should start my time worshiping you before I give you what my need is. Right? And you know that's a model of prayer? When we get to Matthew 6, verse 9, you know, I I realized that I was making my conversation with with God to start with me-ward. Are you following me? And I felt, I just felt bad. I said, I, should, I shouldn't have started it that way. You know what my need is. He, he knew my back was giving me a fit anyway, right? He already knew that. I didn't really have to tell him that. But I had my focus wrong. It was all on me and, instead of him. So God gave Moses ten commandments. I'm not going to take you to Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20, but that's where the, they're listed. God gave Moses Ten Commandments. And and the neat part about it, on two tablets of stone, God inscribed those stone himself with his finger. Ten declarations. Ten commandments. Ten well-defined boundaries of life. Before he gave him the full law about all the nuances of society living, he gave him those ten, the, the, the anchor of their society would be in those ten statements. I'm going to give you the short version of them. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not carve out any graven image of anything that calls for your worship. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath day holy. Six days you're to work, but that seventh day is holy. You know what number five is? Honor your father and mother. That's the short version. 
And the next one is, thou shalt not kill or commit murder. Now, those are six. We got four to go. Let's stop right there. How many of those six commandments are broken every day of the week? In people's lives. He says, well, you know, I don't worship any idols. Be careful. Be careful. We're in a big sports-minded town. Be careful. You know, some people can't even come to church and worship the Lord when Alabama loses. What does that say? It says, come in depressed. God help us, right? Might have a little graven image there going on. Little carved out little statue of a football. And what about taking the Lord's name in vain? You know, the NIV puts it this way You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, the Lord your God, for God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's how it reads. You know, we haven't even got to, thou shalt not commit adultery, <clears throat> which encapsulates all sexual sin. How many days do people sin in a sexual context every day? You know, the tragedy of that is that people are in church committing those sins. Whether it's through pornography or through the actual sinful acts, We've just almost, we've almost become accustomed that this is life now. This is the 21st century, preacher. And you can't expect us to pay attention to this. And our culture is intoxicated with crude, base sensuality. So much so that we would be shocked to know how much rape takes place on a campus like the University of Alabama. That never gets reported. We're in a crisis of identity. And these things matter. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. Boy, I like the, how he puts this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Covet your neighbor's wife. Covered his, covered his maidservant. Thank the Lord we don't have to worry about that. Nor his ox. Don't have to worry about that. But that car. That car. That car. That truck. With rims and stuff. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you make a bad mistake when you start... Liking a certain vehicle enough that you want one of them. That's not good. Nor anything that belongs to your neighbor. You see, sin has filled our world. Sin is everywhere. We can, we can put blame on what's going on in our nation. But it's basically that sin has infiltrated the lives of people so much. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And it's interesting when Jesus 
started telling his disciples in Matthew 6 how to pray, do you realize that he went right to that issue? At the very start of this prayer, he went right straight to commandment number 3. Because if you flip it around on the other side, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord. The flip side of it is you shall respect and honor and revere the name of the Lord. And that's exactly how that prayer starts. The Lord's prayer or the disciples' prayer, people say, well, it wasn't the Lord. He gave that to the disciples. But it wasn't for them to memorize and recite. It was a model. It was a plan. It was an outline that he wanted them to know how you start in your praying and how you finish in your praying. And what was in between? Before you get to any needs and any petitions, you start with these words. Oh, God. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Isn't that the way it starts? Holy is your name. You are unapproachably holy. And the only reason I can talk to you is because the veil in the temple is ripped from top to bottom. And the blood of Jesus opened the way. Not just for one man to visit God one day of the week, but for all people who come through the blood of Jesus to talk directly to God. Holy is your name. Lord, we honor you. We trust you. You're beyond us. As Isaiah would say, your thoughts are above our thoughts. Your ways are above our ways as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are you, Lord, higher than us. We need you. When we use the abbreviations, we use abbreviations for everything now, don't we? OMG. OMG. Be careful what you use the G for. Because it means any vain way that you use the name of God. You can put goodness there, but it really is an improper use of the name God. It really is. Well, now, Pastor, you're just messing up my Facebook <laughs> and my Twitter. Because we have a culture of disrespect for God. You know, growing with the wind, you, that thing came out in the 30s, I believe, right? You know what threshold that movie, not only being way too long. Uh, I've never watched the whole thing. It, it, it just, I can't do it. I don't even get to the part that shook the world. Where, what's his face? Clark Gable. Brett, 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 Rhett. I knew it was, I was close. Brett, Rhett, something like that. Broke the threshold of profanity. And it wasn't, it wasn't even really that bad a profanity word. Oh no, he said it. In a motion picture. We would love to go back to those days. Because you, you, you watch something, you do like this. <laughs> oh no. And this is the culture we live in. And I'm telling you, the church has been influenced by the culture and still vice versa. 
we do not respond and say, the name of the Lord is not to be misused in any way. I'm not being picky. I'm just telling you this is what the commandment says. Holy are you, Lord, maker of heaven and earth, exalted, great, and mighty are you, God. The earth is yours, the fullness thereof. The earth is filled with the glory of God. Isn't it? Now, we said, no, the earth is filled with sin and, and crime. No, the angel said the earth is filled with the glory of God. It's just, the, it's just what we pay attention to. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Well, there's some people that like to play with this part of this Lord's Prayer. But it basically, Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world. So, when he says we're to pray your kingdom, who's not of this world, from another world, your kingdom come here, what is he saying? What does he mean by that? We... After we worship the Lord and after we extol His greatness and His holiness and we cry out to Him, Lord, may the kingdom that's in heaven be manifested here. It means that the broken governments of our world, headed by broken people, we need the invasion of an unbroken kingdom that comes here and permeates the hearts of people. Jesus said, my kingdom will first be in the heart of my people. Your, his kingdom, his right to rule in us is in our souls. The kingdom of God is already here in our souls. And I believe when he's praying and we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, we're actually saying, Lord, let your kingdom shine through me. And let, your, let what you want be done. Your will, the purpose of the Lord, the plan of God. What is God's plan? Is it his plan for you to be inconsistent and to walk sporadically spiritually? Is that his plan? Or is his plan much greater than our ideas? And he needs to superimpose his plan into our hearts so that we're saying, Lord, I know what I have is not exactly what you destined me to be. I want more, just like the song we were saying, I want more of you. I want to know you more. I want to know your plan. And part of that, may your will be done. Lord, what you want is what I want. And careful as you pray that. Because something you might want is not what he wants. And you're in a struggle with him. You want him to bless what you want. You want him to say, okay, and you want people to say, okay, and you talk to people who you think will say, okay, and get to you that affirming feedback, and all in your soul, you realize something is not right here. The Spirit of God is prompting you, because you can say, Lord, you have a great plan for me, a better plan than I could ever write for myself. I want your plan. I want your will. I want what you desire for me. And oh, may he implant in our souls his desires. The seeds of his desire to be planted in our souls and watered by his presence so that we go about our day saying, Lord, I want what you want. And in the middle of this prayer is, Lord, you know what our needs are.
give us our basic need, daily bread. Remember Jesus saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. I can tell you, I'll just, this is confession day, I guess, for me. I'm almost embarrassed about what's in our closets. In my closet. My closet. I've already got stuff I'm secretly taking down to the thrift store. Covertly. She, she probably won't listen to this message. So, you know, I got the reign of the house right now. I ain't take anything I want to the thrift store of my stuff. <laughs> I remember when I had one pair of shoes to wear to church as an adult and one pair of shoes to run about in. Jogging shoes. And I am totally ashamed as to the number of shoes that I find in my closet. They're all going. They're all going. I'm doing deliverance ministry in my own closet. <laughs> but really, look at what we consume ourselves with. What we wear, what we eat. I mean, probably one of the most serious discussions that you will have today is where you're going to go eat. That's muy importante. We're going to Los Taracos. <laughs> no, we're coming right here. We're in newcomers. But you think about it. We, we just get consumed about stuff like this. And he says, Lord, we trust you for our daily substance. And Jesus told him, says, look at the birds. Do you think they worry about what they're going to eat? And yet I, my hand provides for them in nature what they need. And look at the flowers. They are beautiful, and they don't last very long. And if I can do creation that way for birds and flowers, how, what does he say? How much more do I love you and want to provide for you? And where is our worry coming from? coming from us. Give us this day our daily bread. On June the 6th, nine years ago, I can almost take you to the spot. I can't even remember the road that goes out past the Goodrich plant that everybody cycles on. It's out. They got farmland out there in a turf farm. What road is that? I, I think I heard somebody say so. Yes. That one. And I was cycling at the time. I need to get back to cycling. It's obvious. But my dad, I saw him the day before, Tuesday. And I had a sense that he was not far from finishing his journey. And over in this cabinet, the hospice nurse had a bag of morphine that she had told us weeks before your father has so much cancer in his skeletal system. There's no way that he will be able to cope with the pain without this morphine. But it's locked. And we'll have it ready. And he was only on the second fentanyl patch at the lowest dosage they make. Before that, he was taking Lortab when he felt uncomfortable. And I said, Lord, I, I could just see in my mind writhing in pain and, 
and having morphine hooked up, and I was cycling on that road that Wednesday morning and tears running down my face, and I was telling God what a wonderful dad I had. You know, like I need to tell him how long my dad was, had served him. <laughs> but I was saying, Lord, please have mercy on him and not let him get to that point that was a dread for us. And I saw a bird on a fence post, and I said, if that bird falls off of that dead, you notice. And my dad's more important than that bird. You said he's more important than that bird. And Scott Martin, at that time, was in India, and he preached that Wednesday night. And the next morning, I was getting ready to go see my dad, and my sister called me. said, he just left us. And my daughter and I was getting ready to go see him. I hung up the phone. I turned and looked at Brenda without a tear. I said, God incredibly answered my prayer. Of course, tears flowed later. But if God cares for the birds, how much should he, we realize he cares for us? And when we talk to him, we're the treasure of his eyes. He loved us enough when we were rebels to save us. And Paul said if he loved us that much as sinners... How much do you think he loves us after we become his children? He said there's no comparison. If he would give his own son so that you could be saved and your sins washed away, how much more will he give you of heaven's blessings? Wednesday morning, this week, the week I was having that was so good, 7 o'clock, 7.01 a.m. to be exact, I heard my phone give a signal of a text, and I looked down, and this is exactly what my son began his text. I almost just died. What? And then he said, a boulder fell off of a dump truck and hit my windshield. And six inches to the left, it would have came through and hit my face. And then he sent me pictures of the windshield from inside and out. You know what I wrote back? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you look after us when we don't even know we need looking after us. Because you don't know what a day brings. I thought about that later. What a tragedy that would be for me to lose my son in a freakish accident like that. But it could happen. How much we need to trust the Lord. How much we need to lean on Him. And I haven't even gotten to. And Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive. Do we really want the Lord to forgive us like we forgive people? <laughs> Lord, you know I'm just a human being here. Not a perfect bone in my body. And I have trouble letting go of some things, but please let go of my stuff. And yet, he said, our offenses to him are greater than any offense anyone will give you. And if he dismiss, dismisses our great offenses, out of that forgiveness should flow a release and let people go.
Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. The debts that they have toward us, the offenses they have toward us. And lead us not into, Lord, there's no way you will entice me to sin. If something comes up that an attraction outside of your marriage begins to develop, I can tell you where that doesn't come from. It's not the Lord. <laughs> and there's people who make you or want some people to think that it's the Lord has brought a better person into my life. He will not entice us to sin. He will not leave. He is, we're to pray, Lord, don't lead me in places that I get ambushed. That there's a trap there. Alert me to the traps that the enemy has set. Because the very next thing he says, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. And it's translated evil, but it's, it's very, it's the article. It's the evil one. It's the wiles of the devil. What's going on in our world is that the evil one is wreaking havoc in our world. And we're to pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's your glory. Forever and ever, Lord, all of this belongs to you. And one day, he will descend from the heavens with a shout. And the kingdoms of this world will be absorbed into the kingdoms of our God. And he shall reign forever in peace and tranquility. The lion will no longer be a carnivorous animal. He will graze with grass just like the cattle. A child could play over the pit of a viper, a poisonous snake. And the snake have no desire to bite the child. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. That is the influence of the kingdom of God. And I tell you, when I read that, I says, oh, come on. Come on, kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to watch what you give your ears to and your eyes to. Because what you give your ears to and your eyes to, you will end up giving your heart to. And there's enough sin in our world to pull you and I in if we're not careful. Would you stand with me? Oh, Lord.